So students, you're preparing to take a test and you're unprepared, so a friend offers you the answers. What do you do? Or your coworkers spend their time scrolling Facebook and playing video games. Do you join in? Or let's say you're out of town on a work trip and your clients have provided an open bar. Someone from the opposite gender looks at you and gives you a wink. How do you respond? You're dating someone you like, but they complain a lot and they're quick to anger. Should you consider marriage? Your friend gossips about other people when they're not present. What do you do? You're home alone with a computer and the internet. How do you spend your time? If you just fudged on some numbers at work, you'll beat last year's sales quota and get a raise. What's your next move? You see, every day, you and I are faced with dozens of situations in which we must choose between wisdom and folly. One leads to a path of life. The other leads to a path of death. Which will you choose? Well, in the book of Proverbs, King Solomon gives believers practical wisdom in which we must choose between wisdom and folly. Let me show you. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to be starting a new sermon series today called Walk in Wisdom. We're going to be walking through uh, the book of Proverbs together for the next uh, seven, eight weeks. And we're going to be discovering different ways that God's word applies directly into our lives. Now, I've entitled this series Walk in Wisdom because that's a phrase I use frequently at my home. When my boys start wrestling over Legos, walk in wisdom. When they start getting lazy for their chores, walk in wisdom. I am saying these three words over and over and over because I want to teach them, I want to train them of how they are to live in light of Christ. I want them to be men who are wise so that when they are behind a steering wheel, they will hear those words, walk in wisdom. When they're out on a date, walk in wisdom. When they're filling out a 1040 for work for the IRS, walk in wisdom. When they're trying to decide which career path to take, walk in wisdom. When they're trying to see if the friends that they're hanging out with are making wise choices or if they're just being complete idiots, walk in wisdom. You see, I'm preparing them for the day for when I am dead and gone. When I am no longer here, I want the sound of my voice to be echoing in their brains, walk in wisdom. Well, that is exactly what King Solomon is doing in the book of Proverbs. He is teaching his son how to live a life of wisdom. 23 times the phrase, my son, shows up in this book. King Solomon is giving words of wisdom to his son. Parents, imagine for a moment that your child is about to go off on a trip in which you will not see them for a very long time. And you're going to write down a letter to them, just life principles that you want them to live out since you're not going to be there to watch over them. What do you say? What, what do you write down in that letter of which you want them to go and live out? Well, that's the book of Proverbs. It is King Solomon writing to his son of how to live a life that pleases God. 
And this book is saturated with wise, simple principles that you can apply to your life. It's insights on different topics like speech, sex, work, money, politics, food and drink, discipline, justice, truth and lies, creation, emotion, the human body, God's sovereignty, and dozens of other topics. You see, this book is saturated with practical application for how the believer is to apply God's truth to their life. Well, in chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, what we see here is the launching pad for the rest of the book. Verse 1 tells us who wrote the book. Verses 2 through 6 tells us why he wrote the book. And then verse 7 tells us how to apply the book. And there's two questions that verses 1 through 7 answers for us. What is wisdom and how do I get it? I want you to see this morning in the text these realities here. The first is this, is that wisdom is a person. Wisdom is a person. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. Solomon writes, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So verse 1 tells us who the human author is of this book. It's Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now, where did Solomon get his wisdom? Well, let me show you. Keep your finger in, in Proverbs chapter 1 and go back to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. Bathsheba is Solomon's mom, and her first child, when David committed adultery with her, died after childbirth. Solomon came next. Solomon grows up, becomes a man. David dies. Solomon assumes the throne. When he, after he assumes the throne, God appears to him in a dream and says in chapter 3, Ask, what should I give you? And so he has the opportunity to ask God for anything. Let me ask you a question. What would you ask God for? Wealth? Long life? A healthy body? National championships? What is it you would want from God? Well, here the Lord is giving a blank check to Solomon and saying, whatever you want, notice what he asks for. In the text, he asks for wisdom. A discerning heart to be able to rule and to lead God's people well. Notice how the Lord responds in 1 Kings 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 10. It says, Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God said to him, Because you have requested this and did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies, but you asked discernment for yourself to administer justice, I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. In addition, I will give you what you did not ask for, both riches and honor, so that no king will be your equal during your entire life. If you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commands just as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Fast forward to chapter 4, verse 29. It says that God gave Solomon wisdom, very great insight and understanding, as vast as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east, greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. Verse 32, Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. You see, kings require wisdom for leadership and decision making. 
Solomon had big shoes to fill as King David's son. And so he asked the Lord, not for riches, not for the death of his enemies, not for a long life, but for a discerning heart. And his fame spread throughout the entire world. If you fast forward to 1 Kings 10, you see the story of the Queen of Sheba and how she travels more than 2,000 miles from Africa to Jerusalem to meet Solomon and to hear his wisdom. And his insight does not disappoint her. He far exceeds her expectations. And she is so overwhelmed by his wisdom, the scripture says, it took her breath away. But you see, Proverbs isn't about being amazed by King Solomon. Proverbs is pointing you and I to a greater king, one who grew in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and men, one who would not only taught wisdom, but is wisdom, Jesus. You see, Jesus Christ is the true son of David and the true king of Israel who is greater than Solomon. Jesus is the greater king that would come through the lineage of David and through the lineage of Solomon. As the Pharisees were asking for a miraculous performance from Jesus, Jesus instead points them to 1 Kings 10. And he says in Matthew 12, the queen of the south, which is the queen of Sheba, will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and look, something greater than Solomon is here. You see, wisdom has a name and his name is Jesus. If you want to know what wisdom looks like, look at Jesus As you and I walk through Proverbs, the temptation is to think that this book is about us. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. The text is for us, but it's driving us to the true son of David, the true son of Solomon, Jesus Christ. Paul says in Colossians 2, that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He says in 1 Corinthians 1.24, Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, as you and I read through Solomon's words in Proverbs, he lays out for us what godliness looks like in his son. But the New Testament shines a spotlight upon Jesus and says, this is the true son. This is the one that Proverbs is pointing forward to. This is the wisdom of God. Look at Jesus and follow him. So I want you to see first that the wisdom, it's person. But secondly, I want you to see here in the text that wisdom is our guide. Look at verse two. Solomon writes, for learning wisdom and discipline, For understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. Let a wise person listen and increase learning, and let a discerning person obtain guidance for understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. Solomon lays out for us in verses 2 through 6 his purpose for writing Proverbs. He writes, the Proverbs are for verse two, learning and understanding. Verse verse three, for receiving an instruction. And verse four, for teaching. Now it's important to note that the Hebrew word for wise 
is someone who is excellent craftsman with their hands. They're skillful with their hands, like a carpenter or an artist. You see, when someone can use their hands to create something special, that's where the word wisdom comes comes from. It's designed by God to be practical and beneficial. Therefore, when you get wisdom, you have something that you can really use in everyday life. Do you you see how essential wisdom is to your very life? Wisdom leads you and it guides you in your decision-making. Proverbs 3 says it's more profitable than silver, and her revenue is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can equal her. Wisdom gives you long life, happiness, and peace. In Proverbs 4, verses 7 through 9, Solomon says wisdom is supreme. So get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. If you embrace her, she will honor you. She will place a garland of favor on your head. She will give you a crown of beauty. Who doesn't want that? You see, wisdom is our guide. It goes before us and there is significant value in gaining wisdom. But I want you to see four ways we see in the text that wisdom guides us. The first is with competence. Competence. Look at verse 2. Solomon says, For learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings. You see, wisdom is a type of knowledge that helps you know what's going on around you. It helps you to read people and to read situations. It's a competence in learning the world around you. Now, as parents, we want to raise children, and we want to raise grandchildren who walk in wisdom. So what I want to present to you is the morning 111. What this is, is it is a simple formula that I use in the mornings to teach my children the Proverbs. And what it stands for is it is one verse, one sentence, and one minute. Let me see what this looks like. So the Bible is essential for growing in wisdom. It's essential for growing in godliness, and so what I want to do is I want to take just one minute. So when the kids still have bedhead and they're eating their Cheerios, I'll prop a foot up on the kitchen chair, I'll open to a book of Proverbs, and I'll read one verse. And after I read the verse, I'll give a one-sentence commentary. I'm not here to preach, even though I want to. And then I'm done. It lasts one minute. And I pray for the kids. And here's something silly, but they love it when I do it. I'll take my Bible, and they like it when I tap them on the head with it. So I walk around hitting my kids on the head with a Bible. (laughs) We're so weird. Oh, my goodness. It's so great. But what I'm doing is I'm wanting to plant in their, the word of God in their heart in the morning just to get the day started. I'm, I'm putting a leadership principle. I'm trying to teach them wisdom to get their day started. It's a simple way to help guide them in competence. I don't want, just want them to grow in knowledge. That's important. But I also want them to grow in competence, which is connected to wisdom. But secondly, I want you to see that wisdom guides us in character. Look at verse 3. Solomon says, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity. Who you are leads to what you do. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your life begins to look more and more like Christ. If your life is not growing to become more and more like Christ, then you probably don't know Jesus. 
You see, if you are in Christ, there's a sense in which your life changes. You're growing in character. You see, wisdom points us to the way of Jesus where the Holy Spirit cultivates the character of Christ within us. Wisdom is driving us to Jesus so that we might be conformed to his image, Romans 8, 29, and we can become more and more like him. Wisdom teaches character formation. When Christy and I first started dating, I was trying to impress her by being funny. And so I was often quoting these movie lines to try and make her laugh so that she might like me. Well, one day, I quoted a, an inappropriate movie quote to her to try to be funny she looked at me and she smiled and she softly said do you want to be known as someone who is funny or someone who is wise that's what you call a teachable moment because in that moment I grew up I no longer wanted to be immature and selfish and foolish. I wanted to become wise. You see, if you're going to grow in wisdom, it takes over your character. You mature. You change. You are growing in godliness. Now, don't hear me dog-watching movies or quoting movie lines, but the point is, do we seek to be liked and to be funny and the center of attention, or do we seek to be wise? You see, wisdom guides us in competence. It guides us in character. But I want you to see thirdly, that wisdom guides us in common sense. Look at verse four. Solomon says, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced and discretion to a young man. When we're young, we lack experience. We need someone to teach us shrewdness. I asked my kids, hey, what do you think shrewdness means? They all had no idea. I love it. I was like, I'm with you. What does this mean? So I went and looked it up. It means common sense, prudence. It's the ability to read a situation and be able to respond rightly. Solomon is saying that wisdom is to be taught to the inexperienced, verse 4, the, the young man, how to be shrewd. I've heard it said a dozen times, and it's absolutely true. In today's culture, Wisdom and common sense, they're a superpower. Okay, we live in a culture of fools. It's like we, we, we don't know common sense, the easiest path, things that are, are so common and obvious, we swing and miss. We live in a day and age in which we have more access to information than anyone in history. You can quite literally pull out your phone and learn a foreign language. You can learn who a king was of a certain empire at a certain date. You can learn anything you want to, but you see, knowledge does not always equal wisdom. You can have a PhD and still be a fool. You see, what, what we're driving home here with Solomon here, verse 4, is that wisdom guides you in common sense. I almost labeled this sermon series the great superpower. Because it seems like wisdom is just missing, but if you have it, it's like you have a leg up on everybody else in the world. But you see, that's what the Spirit of God does. He leads you towards common sense, towards wisdom, towards maturity. But I also want you to see, number four, that wisdom also guides us to curiosity. Curiosity. Wisdom is for the young, verse four, but it's also for the old. Look at verse five. 
Solomon says, let a wise person, isn't that interesting? Someone who's old, someone who's wise. Let a wise person listen and increase learning. And let a discerning person obtain guidance. Those who are older must continue to learn, to be curious. So let them, verse 5, increase in learning. But did you see the key to increasing learning? Verse 5, let a wise person what? Listen. Let a wise person listen. If you want to be wise, you must become an excellent listener. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to counsel and receive instruction so that you may be wise later in life. You see, there's far too many fools who open their mouths to start talking when they should be shutting their mouths to listen. Proverbs 17.28, even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent, discerning when he seals his lips. You see, curious people are excellent listeners. They genuinely want to learn. They genuinely want to grow. There's things that they don't know yet, and they want to go and grab hold of those truths. You see, you cease to grow as a learner and as a leader when you stop being curious. And what Solomon is pointing us here to is just this curiosity in which we want to grow in this. I can imagine Solomon recalling the smell of a pig farm when he wrote Proverbs eleven twenty two, A beautiful woman who rejects good sense is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. Or I can imagine him as a young child crouched down over an anthill examining and watching this movement of these ants. And so when he gets to Proverbs chapter 6, and he's saying that wisdom has a work ethic, he says, go to the ants. Isn't that interesting? That wisdom has a curiosity. You have a desire to learn more, to discover things you don't know yet. And so wisdom guides you to be curious. I want you to see third and finally here in the text. That wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Look at verse 7. Solomon says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Okay, so how do we get wisdom? Verse 7, it begins with the fear of the Lord. Now that word fear, that can be a stumbling block for us because we really don't have a really good English word to describe what that word actually means. Okay, the description is that of a loving and respectful relationship. It's not terror. It's not dread of harm. I think Ray Ortland gives a really good definition. He says it's a proper worshipful regard for all that God is in his wisdom, power, holiness, mercy, and love. That phrase, fear of the Lord, it shows up 11 times in the book of Proverbs. And almost every time, it's very positive. Like Proverbs 10, the fear of the Lord prolongs life. Proverbs 14, the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children have refuge. Proverbs 15, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with turmoil. Proverbs 15, 33, the fear of the Lord is what wisdom teaches and humility comes before honor. Proverbs 19, the fear of the Lord leads to life. One will sleep at night without danger. Proverbs 22, humility, the fear of the Lord results in wealth, 
honor and life. Solomon repeats chapter one, verse seven again in chapter nine, verse 10. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You see, wisdom begins with a right relationship with God. Don't miss this. Wisdom begins when you humble yourself before a blood-stained cross. This is where wisdom begins. It's when you humble yourself before the Lord. You see who he is. And so in light of who God is, you humble yourself. You see all that he has provided for you in his son. And all that Christ has accomplished through his blood atoning death by taking our sin at the cross. The fear of the Lord begins with Jesus. When you humble yourself and the Lord becomes supreme over your life and your relationship with him is central to everything that you are, it is then that you begin to understand the fear of the Lord. So if you're gonna be wise, it begins by humbling yourself before the Lord. Because remember, you're not the foundation of wisdom, Christ is. You're not the fountain of wisdom, Christ is. You're not the one who sustains life, Christ is. And so Proverbs is driving us to Jesus, and it begins with the fear of the Lord. The foolish, they don't humble themselves before the Lord, verse 7. They despise, they hate wisdom and discipline. But you see, wisdom is not something that we earn. It's freely given by, God, give, given by God to his children for those who ask. James says in James 1.5, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. So where does God give us wisdom? The answer is in the Bible. This leads to the impact point. Here's the challenge I want to present to you as a church. Moving forward is I want to challenge you to read one chapter of Proverbs every day and to memorize one verse from Proverbs every week through September. So the next two months, next six to seven weeks, I want to challenge you to do this. Now there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, one per day of the month. It takes about five minutes to read through one chapter of the book of Proverbs. It's very doable. And I want to challenge you to memorize just one verse from the book of Proverbs. It can be anyone. Choose anyone. And then when you memorize it, drop a marble out in the jar out in the atrium as a way to remember, man, this is awesome. I've dropped another marble because I memorized another verse. And there are so many to choose from. But you see, wisdom is from the Lord. It's a gift to us for those who ask him for it. But it all begins with the Bible. It's interesting that when Paul is addressing Timothy, he references the scriptures as to what makes us wise. He reminds him of his grandmother and his mother who had poured so much into him. And 2 Timothy 3.15, he says, And Timothy, and you know that from infancy, you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, Proverbs is driving you and driving me to wisdom that is found in 
Jesus. And the wisdom of God is displayed through the death of Jesus at the cross. The world says it's folly. The world says it's foolishness. But God says that is my power on display. The wisdom of God begins with Jesus. So this week, you're going to be faced with many situations in which you get to choose wisdom or folly. Which one are you going to choose? Choose wisdom. Choose life. Choose Christ.